Hello everyone and welcome to Conversation of Change, the podcast that features social entrepreneurs that create inspiring and positively impactful work. My name is Gladys and I am a change maker with Make the Change, a social enterprise in Singapore offering learning programs to tertiary students and persons with disabilities, offering creative services to businesses as well as educating corporates about creating lasting impacts and attaining their targeted CSR goals. Today, we will be speaking to Kiane Umesiubu, the campaign's director of Tesco. So Tesco is one of the world's largest retailers of consumer goods with headquarters in England. They've come a long way from a small market store and now they have over 400,000 staff in the UK, Europe and Asia today. So hello Kiane, thanks for joining us today. So I've just done a really quick intro about your company but today our main focus will be on getting to know more about the various sustainability projects that you're spearheading at Tesco. But before we jump into that, can you tell us a little bit more about your background? Hi Gladys, thanks for having me here. Um, Absolutely. So as you said, I'm campaigns director at Tesco. I've been at Tesco for eight years. And prior to this role, I was the head of environment at Tesco mm-hmm. for about six years. And, and prior to Tesco, I worked in sustainability consulting, uh, including at the Carbon Trust here in the UK. And uh, before then, I worked at Cadbury, um, a chocolate confectionery manufacturer, uh, which is now part of Mondelez. Um, and before then, I worked for youth leadership charity, ISEC. Um, I'm originally Nigerian. I studied geology and majored in, in environmental, hydro and environmental geology and did a postgrad degree in corporate responsibility at the University of Bath. Ah, I see. So I feel like pretty much had a large part of your life regarding, you know, sustainability. Indeed, yes, <laughs> All right. Absolutely. Yeah. So to me, it is interesting to me how Tesco has actually created an elaborate framework called the Little Helps Plan to shape a long-term approach to sustainability. So with the framework's four pillars of people, product, planet and places, are you able to share more about how these pillars are integrated and how they work together towards sustainability? Absolutely. So Tesco's one of our core values is uh, it is about every little helps makes a big difference so you know sometimes to make a big difference in the world you need to address what you do every day your core work the core of your identity that's the way you can make the biggest difference and and that's what's inspired our little helps plan which is the name we have for our broader sustainability plan and that's where we take time to think closely the ways in which Tesco interacts with society, how it's part of society and contributes to societal aspirations. And the most material um, areas of, of, of impact we've organized around the four pillars you've talked about, people, um, and that covers things related to employment and skills. We happen to be one of the UK's biggest private sector employers. Um, issues around diversity and inclusion, how do we make sure that our workforce is diverse and our workplace is inclusive, issues around human rights, both for those in our supply chain and those who work for agencies that we've contracted, whether they work in our, on our campuses or in our stores, and then health, safety and well-being, which includes, of course, mental health being as well, mental well-being as, as well as others. 
So that's what we cover under people, uh, covering both our own colleagues and those who work in our supply chain around the world. And then under product, we have four areas under that as well, which are all core to our business, food waste reduction, both in our own operations with our suppliers and actually helping customers do the same, which we'll talk about later. Another is packaging, um, packaging reduction, where we have a four-hour strategy. Again, I can go into it in detail if you want. But considering that we're primarily a food company, also thinking about health and diets, how um, the, the, the food we sell can support people live healthier lives. And then finally, animal welfare is also a part of our product pillar. And then on coming to planet, again, that's broadly four areas, climate change, agriculture, marine sustainability, and forests. Those are the four areas that our agenda cover, and hopefully those are self-explanatory. And then the last one, places, is really putting a spotlight on the communities in which we operate or with whom we work. Um, whether it's supporting community causes, um, our colleagues volunteering in the community, or helping those in need, drawing from, from the core of our business. As you can see, all of these issues are very well linked to the core agenda of Tesco, and we're not leaving it as a side add-on, uh, which is an afterthought, but rather is the core of how we do business. Yeah, I think it's really impressive how integrated these all are and how I can really see how they all work together for, you know, the same cause. Yeah. So on top of that, I'm also aware that Tesco has partnerships with many astounding brands. But today I would like to hear you share more about Tesco's partnership with the Worldwide Fund, WWF. So could you share more about how this partnership has helped customers eat more sustainably and how it has helped restore nature in food production? Yes, yeah, so we're partnering with WF UK, um, who, as you say, a, a, you know, a very impressive conservation charity, you know, worldwide and certainly in the UK as well. So the research that WF had been conducting showed that one of the biggest uh, challenges or one of the biggest pressures on nature, on wildlife, on, on habitats around the world is the food system globally whether it's the need to produce more food um, that's driving, whether it's uh, livestock farmers or arable farmers into, into rainforests or into uh, grasslands that should be protected, or indeed the use of certain production methods that might be damaging to pollinators or, or, or the soil and all that. So, so Green, um, WWF's view was that actually if they want to get to a greener world, they need to work with food businesses. And so in the UK, they've come to us as one of the UK's uh, biggest food producers to work with us to address um, this challenge by paying attention on a three-pronged approach. One, as you mentioned, restoring nature in food production. Two, cutting down on waste. And three, um, helping customers eat more sustainably. And we thought that bringing together these two brands, WWF, with their reputation and insights and experience and the trust they have with the public, and Tesco with our agency and that proximity to the, to the um, public in the UK, we think that working together, we might be able to help 
contribute to the transition that needs to happen. So we've been working on a number of initiatives, including commissioning reports. One of the last ones we just published um, last week was on the role that insect-based feed could play in reducing the pressure on soy or fish meal, because you know lots of poultry and pigs can be fed scientifically on, uh, on insects feed. That will mean that we don't need quite as much soy to grow those, um, those, those livestock. Already insect feed is being used around the world in, in, in aquaculture, in rearing fish and so on. And we think there's an opportunity to expand that into other livestock. And that's the sort of thing that we can work together with WWF because they bring a thoroughness to that research, a credibility and a robustness to it. And also they make the findings available to the wider society, not just limited to Tesco, that way we drive change. The last thing I'll mention is that all of this is leading to the goal or the objective that we have jointly in the partnership, which is to cut in half the environmental impact of the average shopping basket in the UK. So that if food production puts pressure on natural habitats and the ecosystem, including the climate, then it also is a great opportunity to bring about change. And we thought if we could cut by 50% the environmental impact of the shopping basket, that would take us a long way to achieving the goals we have. Great. I think it's awesome how there is a three-pronged approach and yeah, I really see how this has actually helped. And, you know, I was really impressed by reading all the articles and how this has actually made a direct impact to consumers as well to really be more conscientious about what they have in their basket. Yeah, so, you know, regarding, the, again, once again, the customers, I can really tell how Tesco prides itself as a brand that connects to their customers. So the pandemic wasn't easy on anyone, but yet Tesco managed to hold the Tesco Food Collections last December and involve their customers to help charities feed communities. So are you able to tell me more about this event and what was the impact that it had? Yes, thank you. I mean, I, I think the pandemic, as you said, um, which, by the way, is not over globally. So in a way, I just want to acknowledge the fact that, you know, different parts of the world have been making progress to dealing with it. But the challenge still exists globally. Yes. And, and there is every optimism that will emerge from it stronger. But it was a very challenge. It has been a very challenging time for many people, for many communities, for many societies, the pressures it put on families on individuals and and the deep questions is raised for people that's leading us to rethink how we think about our lives how we set things up and so for tesco we were in a way in the position that we could play a strong role in helping address some of the concerns around us of course we're speaking to one of the needs that people have of food of daily nutrition and nourishment and so on and of course, in, in the UK, going to the supermarket was one of those activities that people could do in the height of the lockdown. So people came to our stores and we needed them to feel safe in our stores. So there are a number of ways that we, were, that we had a role to play. A, helping those who came to our stores to feel safe, to shop in a way that was safe by limiting the number of people who could come in at the same time and putting in place lots of social distancing and protection measures from screens and, and all that both for our colleagues and and for our customers wiping down trolleys and, and the likes of it but perhaps more importantly 
was making sure that there was availability of the food that they needed to buy, reassuring the public that they didn't need to go into panic shopping and buying more than they needed, that we had a resilient and, and, and strong supply chain that could meet their, their demands. And that reassurance played a, a very big role in customers and the public overall feeling that we've got that bit covered. And of course, we work very closely with our suppliers in the UK, in, 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 in the Republic of Ireland and around the world to make sure that we lived up to that promise and we made sure there was availability for the products customers needed. But perhaps the place we, we personally are most proud of what we did was how we looked after those people who were shielding or who were vulnerable and couldn't come out to the stores. And there were hundreds of thousands of those in the UK and I'm, so, I'm sure similar around the world. And so we took, we were very proud to play the role of making sure that they weren't forgotten and that we served them by taking food to them, by taking their shopping to them, whether they were traditional Tesco customers or they weren't. We wanted to make sure that we were all in this together and that together we could do this. And, and that's one of the things I'm most proud of. And the last thing I would say is that you know, the pandemic, the lockdown, the experience of it also taught people a new respect for food because many parts of the West, food is taken for granted. Nobody ever questioned the availability of food. But we now discovered a new respect for food and a new respect for people who work in that sector, in the food industry. I think that that also meant that we could see that a number of people in our society, far too many for a rich country like ours, were struggling to, to have their daily needs met. Some people had lost their job. Some people were already on the verge of poverty before COVID. And that's why we made sure that we continued to donate to the food collection charities and the community groups that we've supported through our food waste initiative. And we conducted food donations and donated millions of pounds worth of food to them. Uh, and I'm, I'm particularly quite proud that we were able to step up in that way. Yeah, you should be proud. That is an impressive feat. So I'm actually a little bit more curious about all these people donating their food. So are all these people long-term shoppers at Tesco or did you have an outreach where you actually allowed you know, strangers and people who you know weren't really around the area coming all the way down to take part in this event? Yeah, so we've got a, a combination. So, uh, we have a combination. So maybe I clarify two things. So there are two yeah. programs we have. One is where we, we as Tesco, get the food that we were, we haven't sold to customers. So the surplus food in our stores, we donate it ourselves. So that's Tesco and our, sometimes our suppliers donating food to charities such as Fair Share or, you know, charities such as Fair Share who then work with local community groups, whether it's women's shelter or um, drug rehabilitation programs or children in deprived communities. Those charities, community groups come to the charity Fair Share to take the surplus food that we couldn't sell in our stores, but which are still perfectly edible and safe to eat. So that's one program that we continued to run, even when there was no surplus because people were buying up everything, but we made sure that those charities had the resources and the food they need to look after those community groups. And then there's a second initiative, which is the one you're talking about, where we invite our customers to donate long life products, whether it's tins, 
uh, of tomato or beans or whatever, um, those who found that they, they were better off than others in their community and wanted to play a role, we would ask them in store when they shop to donate one or two tins from, say, the number they've bought. And these are usually people who shop at Tesco or who have come to shop, and you can do it even if it's a one-off shop or you're a regular shopper at Tesco. So that's the two, those are the two initiatives that we put in place. And we've always run the, both initiatives, we've always run them. Uh, the food collection, which is the one where customers donate, we run them a few times a year, two or three times a year, and we decided to run it as usual during the during the lockdown. Ah, I see. Thank you for that clarification. I think Singapore should totally have something like that. I feel like, you know, it will be a really good initiative for us to have as well. We yes. found that a lot of people found it a, a very great lifeline in the time they were struggling the most, yes. Yeah, I can see how it has a great impact on them. So in relation to food as well, Tesco also has a no time for waste challenge, which has helped families across Britain save money by reducing food waste. So I believe Singaporeans can also greatly benefit from this challenge. So can you share some of the methods that has allowed these households to form such habits of reducing food waste? Yes, so, so this is quite an important one because we've done a lot to reduce food waste in our own operations. There's still a bit to do, but you know we have a commitment in the UK that no food fit for humans will go to waste in our operations. And overall, across the group, we want to cut food waste by 50% by 2030. This is in line with the UN Sustainable Development Goals, which is 12.3, um, uh, talking about halving food waste by 2030. So we're doing a lot in our own operations and with our suppliers. More than 70 of our suppliers, our big suppliers, have signed up and are doing a lot to cut food waste. And instead of letting food go to waste, why not give it to those who need it? Why not put it to good use um, in, in animal feed if it's not fit for human consumption? Now, however, in the UK, over 70% of food waste happens at home. And that's a picture that we see in most developed economies where food is not a significant part of a person's income. A lot of food waste happens at home. That contrasts with many people from developing countries where a lot of food waste happens on the farm because either because they don't have effective storage facilities or the roads are not so good to move the food from the farm to storage or to the market. But when people get food, they appreciate it uh, and they make sure that they consume all of it and waste as little as possible. In, in the West, uh, you know, in the rich countries of the world, 70% of food waste happens at home. And we wanted to start helping our customers raise awareness about it and then give them the support they need to drive down that food waste. So sometimes the food waste is caused inadvertently by, by retailers without meaning to for instance, we might give a promotion that to encourage people to eat more vegetables, and we say you, you buy one, you get one free. That might encourage people to take more vegetables than they need home. And when they get home, they find they never get around to eating it. It sits in their fridge and wills and ends up being thrown in the bin. So we wanted to work with them to address that, to make sure that we didn't encourage food waste by such initiatives. The other thing we could do was that sometimes when you put a best buy date, so you put a date on the pack of a produce product and say, 
if you eat it by this date, it will be in its best shape. Most people treat it almost as law to say that if it's, for instance, one hour after the date you've put on the, on the uh, packaging, they'll put it in the bin. But actually, that food is still completely okay to eat. You know, in the past, people used to open a pack and smell it or touch it. If the tomato is fine, then they wash it and, ye and eat it. But now they follow the date that's written, which, of course, will not be 100% perfect in every case. So we removed a lot of those dates that were confusing to the public. And so say to them, trust your common sense. You can look at it and decide if it's still good enough to eat. Most of us can do that. And so that's another way we're helping them and also putting labels and all that. Now, the campaign you referred to is a behavior change campaign where we said, we'll do what we can to support you, but we also need you to do some things differently at home. So for instance, before you go to shop for produce or products in our stores, can you check your kitchen, check what you have already? So if you have some tomatoes from last week, don't buy another one because then it might go to waste, right? And the other thing we try to encourage them to do is to uh, think about how they store these products when they get it. We tell them which one goes in the fridge, which one goes in the freezer, which one goes in the cupboard. And then the other thing we try to educate them is how to make exciting new meals using leftover from last night. So these are some of the examples that we gave to the customers who took part in this initiative. It was mostly a pilot for us to know whether we can bring about that sort of change. And we saw dramatic improvements in household food waste and we're taking learnings from that to roll out a bigger program to help more customers across the uk caught food waste at home of course the last point i'll make on this is food waste it's important we address it because it's a very significant source of environmental impact about one third of all the food produced in the world goes to waste and that's not acceptable in a world where lots of people billions of people still go to bed hungry and so if you think about it from a moral perspective, it doesn't make sense to have food waste. If you think about it from an economic perspective, all that money wasted doesn't make sense. Now, if you think about it from an environmental perspective, if you calculate all the emissions that come from wasted food around the world, that is the third biggest source of emissions in the world after China um, and, and the US. And so it's really, important that we tackle. I mean, yeah, definitely a big issue that we should take care of. Yes, indeed. I really, you know, it, it's really great how it's so successful over there. And I think removing the best, the best day by is actually one of the most like, effective ways of doing that. Because I feel like Asian moms do it a lot. So, you know, you, you, they open up the fridge, sometimes it's like past the expiry day, they take a look at it and they're like, nope, still good, we can still use it. So. I think that is a good method. So, um, yeah. And before we end off, so Tesco has made great strides in achieving sustainable goals, such as being the first UK retailer to commit to publishing the sales of plant-based proteins and switching to run the entire business on green energy by 2030. So are you able to share some of your upcoming projects that will continue to aid sustainability? And also, what do you envision for the future? 
Absolutely, very, very good question, Gladys. I mean, <laughs> we, you know, we we set we were the first business in the world to set ourselves the target of becoming zero carbon. We set this in 2009 before anybody else was thinking about it. We've been thinking about what it means to address climate change for quite a while. And this year, in March, our CEO articulated the work we were already doing to address this issue. And he listed out five climate issues that we must address, that we are already addressing as Tesco. And he listed them as energy, transport, food production, diets, and waste. And I can go into detail on all of them, but I won't at the, in the time we have left. But just to give you a picture, in terms of energy use, Tesco is one of the biggest consumers of electricity in the United Kingdom. We use just about 1% of all the electricity the UK generates. So we felt that we have a role to help the UK transition to a net zero electricity system. And so we've started rolling out renewable electricity. We're already sourcing renewable electricity into our stores. And now we're trying to help the UK generate more renewable electricity. We've built about nine solar and wind farms, and we're going to build more every year until 2030. We've covered our stores, about 60 of them so far, with thousands of solar panels uh, in, in the UK and, and Ireland. And these initiatives will carry on doing it just to help the UK on the journey to net zero. But also, we have a lot of space, we move a lot of products around, and our customers drive to our stores in their cars to buy products. And so part of what we've done is to help them in the transition to zero emissions travel. And so we, we're rolling out currently the UK's largest network, largest retail network of electric vehicles charging points. We'll be getting to nearly 3,000 charging points by the end of next year. So that those who wish to switch to electric cars will know that they can come charge their cars at Tesco. We're also switching our delivery vans. So I talked about helping vulnerable customers. Now, vulnerable customers in, the, in, in London and in increasing places around the UK, most of them, many of them will get their products delivered in electric delivery vans, as an example. And we're looking at technology for the future to do the same for our heavy goods vehicles. And that's what we're doing around transport. And when we come to food production, it's dealing with issues about innovation. How do we bring innovation to reduce emissions from livestock, such as ruminants and cattle and so on? How do we find alternatives to soy to reduce the pressure on forests? That's all what we think around food production. But also, how do we get our suppliers to switch to renewable electricity in their factories and their manufacturing sites? And of course, you talked about diets. We know that the choices that customers make, we all know that the footprint of livestock agriculture increases emissions. And that's not to say we think people shouldn't eat meat if they so choose, but we think that there are also exciting plant-based options that they can try. Maybe once a week, two days a week, three days a week, we want to excite them with these new innovative plant-based recipes that taste like meat. And we, it's nutritious, it's healthy, you know, and it doesn't cost more. So that's why, that's why we set ourselves that target of increasing plant-based alternatives by 300% by 2025. And we want to excite our customers and get more of them trying it and we think they'll enjoy it. Wow, okay. So those sounds like really, really great upcoming plans. 
Yeah, so I can't wait to see all of them in effect. So we'll be looking forward to that. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kenny, for your insightful sharing. And we really appreciate you joining us today. So I think for me, the main takeaway for, would actually be, you know, increasing the number of electric cars on the road in the future with a lot more charging points. So really can't wait to see that in effect. So for you guys, if <laughs> no problem. So for you guys, if you want to know more about Tesco sustainability measures, you can visit www.tescoplc.com/sustainability to read all about it. So lastly, to our dear listeners, please head to our website at makethechange.sg for more information on how we do business for good, and stay tuned to the next episode of Conversation of Change.